We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 530 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday March 17th 2023 it is St. Patrick's Day 2023 it also is day two of the first round of the NCAA tournament hmm <laughs> a it's Friday b it's St. Patrick's Day c It's day two of the first round of the NCAA tournament. Do you think that anyone will be consuming any alcohol today? I'm not sure. Well, if you are a Commanders fan like me, you may well have particular reason to drink. Reason to drink in celebration. Report from Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio. Yes, our old pal Mike Florio. Mikey Mike on Thursday night. Quote, It actually seems to be on the verge of happening. The Commanders, after nearly 24 years of ownership by Dan Snyder, could very soon be under new management. Per multiple sources, Dan and Tanya Snyder have cleared out of the team's facility in advance of the sale of the team. As one source explained it, they left in late December. We're also told that within the building, the word being used regarding a potential sale is imminent. Multiple sources said that a sale could be approved and announced as soon as the upcoming league meetings in Arizona. End quote. Now, on the one hand, (laughs) this report came from Mike Florio, who I call fake news Florio. On the other hand, you know, Florio isn't always wrong. He just tends to be wrong with our team. But that doesn't mean that he's wrong about this. A very juicy tidbit from Mike Florio on Thursday night. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment, this St. Patrick's Day installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It, of course, is a day of green. Green can mean many things, including, of course, money. 
as in NFL free agency. The commanders in this week one of NFL free agency in the 2023 offseason actually have done quite a bit. Uh, they on Thursday officially announced a number of signings slash re-signings, and we ended up having a number of virtual introductory press conferences. And so coming up on the show, I'm going to react to and discuss the best of what was said at these press conferences. Next segment, new commander's quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. A lot of good stuff from him on Thursday morning, including on his approach to his role with the commanders, uh, his impressive 2022 season with the Cleveland Browns and more. You know, we on Thursday got to know our new commander's quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. I'm then going to get into what new commanders linebacker Cody Barton and new commanders offensive lineman Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley had to say on Thursday as we got more insight into their roles. Uh, Well, at least with Barton and Gates, but from Wiley, we got some good stuff on a man he knows well, the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. By the way, regarding Commander's offensive lineman, we did have some news on Thursday night. Unrestricted free agent guard slash center Wes Schweitzer is gone. He is signed with the New York Jets. Uh, not a surprise given the Commander signing of Nick Gates, but uh, Schweitzer now is gone. Also on the show, day one of the first round of the NCAA tournament, a win for Maryland, but losses for Virginia and Howard. I will properly commemorate eight-seeded Maryland getting by nine-seeded West Virginia, 67-65 in Birmingham, Alabama on Thursday afternoon. An awesome comeback win for my Terrapins. And I will properly assess yet another first-round loss for Virginia to a double-digit seed. The four-seeded Cavaliers losing to 13-seeded Furman, 68-67, in Orlando, Florida on Thursday afternoon. You know, there's a lot to talk about with this game and with this trend of NCAA tournament first round losses for UVA, which of course did win the 2019 national title. But uh, I have some really good stuff from head coach Tony Bennett for you. And we are going to have a sober, honest conversation about Virginia basketball. And I will hit on Howard's dream season coming to an end. The uh, 16-seeded Bison losing to one-seeded Kansas 96-68 in Des Moines, Iowa on Thursday afternoon. And I will talk Nationals. Uh, I'm not sure what was more harsh, how Virginia lost to Furman or this Nationals news that now is official. Their top pitching prospect, Cade Cavalli, done for the season due to needing Tommy John surgery. I have some things to say about that. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commander signing Jacoby Brissett. Tweet from Mind Aftermath PhD. This is the guy I wanted three years ago. Well, thank you for the tweet, Mind Aftermath PhD. You got your guy. <laughs> uh, tweet from Zim, significant upgrade at the number two quarterback spot, a quarterback (laughs) who is actually capable of throwing more than five yards downfield. Uh, Thank you for the tweet, Zim, who is uh, not a fan of now former Commanders quarterback Taylor Heineke. By the way, the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday afternoon officially announced the signing of unrestricted free agent quarterback Taylor Heineke, who in an introductory press conference said that he had been headed back to the Commanders as of a few days ago, but that The Falcons then came back with a better offer. 
Uh, anyway, regarding Heineke versus Brissett and uh, throwing downfield, uh, check this out. Taylor Heineke for the 2022 regular season actually had a higher yards per pass attempt than Jacoby Brissett had. Uh, Taylor's yards per pass attempt was 7.18. Brissett's was 7.07. And Taylor, for the 2022 regular season, had a higher average air yards per completion for the NFL's next-gen stats than Brissett had. Uh, Taylor's was 6.7. Brissett's was 6.5. I bet that that surprises some people. Tweet from HTTC Daily on Jacoby Brissett. QB1A. Thank you for the tweet, HTTC Daily. So does that make Sam Howell the QB1 or the QB1B? Tweet from Michael. This was the perfect signing for the commanders. Can back up Howell or be a credible starter if the need arises? Now the only question is whether pro football talk will stop predicting that Lamar Jackson signs with the commanders. 50-50 chance on that. Thank you for the tweet, Michael. And no, uh, that tweet was not from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Uh, That tweet was not from our pal, Fake News Florio. You know, I hope that every one of you listening to this has someone in your life as committed to you as Fake News Florio was to his idea that the commanders were going to make a run at Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Man, Florio (laughs) was like fixated with that idea. He was like obsessed with that idea. Uh, Email from Doc Martin in tally on the commander's quarterback situation, writes Doc, glad to be rid of all of the Heineke hysteria, though I wish him well. Sam Howell is the real deal. His quick release makes up for the offensive line's flaws. Glad that we got Brissett before the Eagles did. Let's take another swing at quarterback in the draft, either at pick 16, though would prefer offensive line help first, or later in the draft without giving up too much. Keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you for that, Doc. You know, regarding the quick release of Sam Howell, I know that that was something that the commanders really liked about Sam's NFL regular season debut in the uh, 26-6 victory over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 18 of this past season. It wasn't just that Sam in that game made right decisions. It also was that he made quick decisions. One game, yes. A Week 18 game, yes. Uh, But remember, with the Week 18 thing, Sam in that game quarterbacked a depleted commander's offense and yet still did well in what was his NFL regular season debut. And he did what he did against what was a good Cowboys defense. The Cowboys for the 2022 regular season finished number two in the NFL in total defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Uh, Email from Sakani in New York on the commander's re-signing of interior defensive lineman Deron Payne to a contract extension, writes Sakani, do you think that this signing was prudent? Take care, Al, and the podcast is great. Well, thank you for that, Sakani. And before I answer that, another email. I got this email from John in Jersey on Deron Payne, writes John, I still would consider trading him as I am concerned that last season was an inspired effort due to him wanting to get paid. While there's nothing wrong with demanding what you are worth, I can't help feeling that there may be a reversion to the mean as his other four seasons were not as spectacular as his 2022 season. And it never sat well with me that he, after the season ended, made it clear that his goal was to get paid. Terry McLaurin handled his situation like a pro. Payne's comments and his level of play over his first four years caused me to be concerned for the future. No one wants another Albert Hainsworth. I don't think that that's Payne, but I am not sure. Moreover, 
We have a great deal invested in the defensive line, and that will only continue as we need to pay the other defensive linemen. If we can get a couple of high draft picks, it would be worth it to try to find his replacement in a deep defensive line draft. Uh, Thank you for the email, John. Boy, that would be something. (laughs) Signing Deron Payne to a big money contract extension and then trading Deron Payne. That would be like the ultimate gangster move. Uh, So regarding Sakani's question of whether the Deron Payne contract extension was prudent, uh, that ties in with what John talked about in his email. Look, every big money contract in every sport carries risk. The biggest risk with this Deron Payne contract extension is what John hit on and what we've talked about on this podcast. Deron, over his first four NFL seasons, was inconsistent, though he was a pretty good player. Uh, And then he, this past season, what was a contract season, became great. Was he great because he just finally blossomed, or was he great because he was motivated by money? This is where you do have to trust the organization. Uh, Presumably, the organization knows Duran, the person, better than we do. I am sure that the concern of what truly was behind Duran's breakout 2022 season has popped into the minds of Head coach Rod Rivera and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and general manager Martin Mayhew. And if they feel comfortable with this contract extension because they trust that Duran's great 2022 season was more about him blossoming than him being motivated by money, then you just got to hope that the team is right on that. Uh, But the team does have information and perspective and experience with Duran, the person that we do not have. Uh, I didn't love Duran's comments on the day after the Commander's 2022 season ended, essentially about how <laughs> getting paid was what mattered the most to him with his rookie contract ending. But, you know, it was the day after the season ended, okay? And it's not like Duran Payne has been known to be some selfish malcontent. And, you know, John mentioned receiver Terry McLaurin, who signed his big money contract extension in late June of last year. Well, remember this with Terry. He no-showed a good bit of the Commanders' 2022 offseason program. The Commanders in the 2022 offseason held three sets of OTA practices, May 23rd through the 26th, May 31st through June 2nd, and June 6th through June 8th. Terry McLaurin did not attend any of those practices, which, yes, technically were voluntary. Say what you want about Duran, but he last offseason attended the bulk of the commander's off-season program, as best as we can tell, even though the team didn't even offer him a contract extension last off-season. So respect to Duran Payne for that. And one more thing on Duran, you know, more and more has come out about his contract extension with the commanders. Uh, As we know, with NFL contracts, there are the initially reported terms, which almost always come from agents looking to frame the contracts in the best possible way. And then there is the actual truth. Uh, Deron Payne's contract extension reportedly has $46.01 million fully guaranteed at signing. The reporting that he got $60 million guaranteed, uh, that's $60 million in guarantees, not $60 million fully guaranteed. There is a difference. I don't want to bore everyone, okay, but the truly guaranteed money in NFL contracts is the money guaranteed at signing. Duran's extension has $46.01 million guaranteed at signing. It is a big money contract extension to be sure, but 
it's not quite the whopper that uh, it may have seemed at first. Well, the freshly extended Deron Payne likely isn't going anywhere anytime soon. You likely can count on him being here, just like you can count on the law firm of Polson and Nace being there for you. If you have a case, contact Polson and Nace. Polson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Polson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Polson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Polson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Polson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Polson and Nace wins trials. Polson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Polson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Polson and Nace and schedule a no obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. Call Polson and Nace at 202 902 7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit polsonandnace.com. That's polsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Polson and Nace. A big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, a subscription to the pod costs you nothing, and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying, that you like the podcast. The review could be just a sentence or two. Can be more, but doesn't have to be. And uh, thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. The NFL's new league year began on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that was when NFL teams officially could sign unrestricted and restricted free agents from other teams and could execute trades. However, it was not until Thursday that the commanders announced a bunch of their moves that had been reportedly agreed on on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But what we got on Thursday was an avalanche of official transactions by our commanders in free agency. Uh, the commanders on Thursday officially announced the signings of the following unrestricted free agents. Quarterback Jacoby Brissett, guard-slash-tackle Andrew Wiley, center-slash-guard Nick Gates, and linebacker Cody Barton. And the commanders on Thursday officially announced the re-signings of the following unrestricted free agents, center Tyler Larson and corner Danny Johnson. Brissett, Wiley, Gates, and Barton on Thursday all did virtual introductory press conferences. Next segment, I'm going to talk about some notable things from Barton, Gates, and Wiley. But right now, we discuss what the commander's newest quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, 
had to say during his uh, virtual introductory presser on Thursday morning. So the commanders have signed Brissett to a reported one-year, $8 million deal with $7.5 million fully guaranteed, a contract that he negotiated. Yeah, Brissett does not officially use an agent. It's funny. If I a week ago would have told you that the commanders in the first week of the NFL's new league year would acquire a quarterback who this past season played in the AFC North and who negotiates his own contracts, you would have gone nuts thinking that that quarterback was the Baltimore Ravens' Lamar Jackson. But oh no, that quarterback be Jacoby Brissett. This was Brissett on Thursday morning on negotiating his own contracts. You know, you get a lot of phone calls that you got to try to not ignore and and um but I, I've enjoyed it since since the start of my rookie year and getting to learn the process of of what goes into negotiation and and what each number means, each line of a contract means. Uh so it's been a, a unique journey for me. Obviously I did my contract this year, uh negotiating myself and but I mean I hate to say myself because I also have a team. I have people that I lean on for advice and in um in a in a in advisory, I guess it's the right word, um, that I've been fortunate to have throughout my career. So, uh, so yeah, so it makes it, I guess, I wouldn't say easier, but I understand it a little bit more. Okay, so it's not like Jacoby Brissett did his contract with the commanders entirely on his own, but he didn't officially use an agent. This to me is a tricky thing. On the one hand, maybe using an agent will get you more money. But on the other hand, the potential difference in money can be offset by the cut of the money that you have to give to the agent. Uh, I used to do a radio show with former Redskins tight end Chris Cooley. He did his own contract with the Skins at one point. And, you know, it's not like it's some impossible task for an NFL player to do his own contract. Again, though, you wonder if an experienced agent might get you more money. But hey, good for Jacoby Brissett for representing himself. He certainly seems to be a smart guy. Uh, this was Brissett on Thursday morning on why it has been important to him to represent himself in NFL contract negotiations. You know, it's just taking that ownership of, of where I put myself, uh, taking that accountability of, of the situation that I'm going into. Um, you know, I like to, you know, look people in their eyes. I like to, you know, have that connection, uh, not only from, you know, uh, professional standpoint well like like on the field standpoint but off the field too and being able to you know walk off the field and say hey like you know I've had tough conversations with this person I know that this won't be the last time you know kind of breaking that ice um it's, it's been good for me and I, I enjoy it every year every time I get an opportunity to do that and um you know and and this year was no no different than that All right, so Jacoby Brissett negotiated his own contract with the commanders, but what was he told in those negotiations about what his role with the commanders will be? Uh, We know what we have been told. Uh, Head coach Rod Rivera has said that he wants competition for Sam Howell, who, of course, is being positioned to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season. But as I discussed on Thursday's show, episode 529, uh, Ron, in the lead up to each of his first two seasons as Washington head coach, the 2020 and 2021 seasons, uh, preached quarterback competition that never really happened. Uh, Jacoby Brissett on Thursday morning on what he has been told his role with the commanders will be. 
you know that I mean, every, like I told this somebody earlier, you know, every day in this league is competition. You know, um, you know, we wouldn't be in this profession if we didn't compete every day. Uh, and, and that's what I was told. You know, you come in and do your job, compete uh, and then whatever happens, happens. But, uh, you know, the main thing is just to come in and be a good teammate. And that's what I think I, I, I've carried with, with me throughout my career. Um, and and then everything else kind of has always taken care of itself for me. Okay, so a stock generic vanilla answer from Jacoby Brissett. Nothing wrong with that. That's the kind of answer uh, that he should have given to that question. But let's make something clear. A reason, maybe even the biggest reason that Brissett signed with the commanders is that he knows that there is a very plausible path to him being the commander's starting quarterback at some point in the 2023 season. It may be that Sam Howell is being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. I hope that Sam kills it as the team's QB1. But, you know, that is far from a guarantee. And Washington is a team that in each of its last five regular seasons has started at least three different quarterbacks. 2018 through 2022, Washington in each of those five regular seasons started at least three different quarterbacks. Recent history doesn't just tell you that Jacoby Brissett is likely to start for the Commanders at some point in the 2023 regular season. Recent history screams (laughs) to you that Jacoby Brissett is likely to start for the Commanders at some point in the 2023 regular season. Now, you heard Brissett talk about being a good teammate This was Brissett on Thursday morning on how to strike a balance between being a good teammate to Sam Howell, but also trying to beat out Sam for the commander's starting quarterback job. Yeah, I think it's, I just, uh, listen, I I think just being a good teammate will trump anything. uh, And that's, that's been the case no matter my role throughout my career, you know, it's always started with being a good teammate Uh, and, and the roles kind of unfold because, I may need him. He'll, he may need me. You don't know how much he'll need me. I might not know how much I need him, but, um, you know, just finding ways to, to help each other get better um, for, for our own benefit, but also for, for our room, for our offense, and also for this team. Yeah, and quarterbacks can be in competition, but still be on good terms. I mean, as best as we can tell, Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz got along well this past season, even though Taylor overtook Carson as the team's QB1, and then Ron Rivera benched at Taylor in favor of Carson. Uh, here was Jacoby Brissett on Thursday morning on being known as a good teammate, and whether that's something that he always has been or that he grew into. Uh, it's definitely something I came into this league with, but it's all, it's it's everlasting changing uh, change at that. Uh, being able to to evolve every year, you know, new people, new new players, uh, new situations, new new obviously new teams. Uh, and it, I think early in my career, I just saw how how vital uh, some of the good team teammates were. You know, just my rookie year and the the Tom Brady's, the Devin McCourty's, the Matthew Slater's, the Ron Harmon's, guys like that that I seen how the impact that they had with, with being good teammates um, for the, for the, not only their um, success, but the team success. And, um, you know, just something that I've always tried to carry along with me. Well, you heard Jacoby Brissett reference his time with the New England Patriots. Brissett was taken by the Pats in the third round of the 2016 NFL draft out of NC State. He was with the Patriots for the 2016 season. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts for the 2017 through 2020 seasons, the Miami Dolphins for the 2021 season, and the Cleveland Browns for the 2022 season. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett has uh, bounced around. The Commanders will be his fourth different NFL team 
in four seasons, but he is coming off the best season of his NFL career. Brissett in the 2022 regular season started 11 games for the Browns with all 11 starts happening during quarterback Deshaun Watson's 11-game suspension, and Brissett did well. He, for the 2022 regular season, finished number eight among all qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR. He, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade for pro football focus of 82.6. PFF grades were on a scale of 0 to 100. It's funny. Brissett's traditional back-of-the-football card stats from last season do not overwhelm you. You know, record of just 4-7. and seven, A mere 12 touchdown passes. But as you hopefully know from listening to this podcast... Uh, the traditional back of the football card stats are not a good way of evaluating a quarterback. Uh, Brissett on Thursday morning on what his 2022 season with the Browns was like for him. Uh, it was good. Uh, uh, I have literally no, no bad thoughts or, or words for, for that for that organization, that that team, um, you know, the fans. You know, they, they, they embraced me with open arms, obviously going into a unique situation. Um, you know, it was it was. Uh, complete transparency throughout the whole process. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of res- respect and, 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 and honestly love for a lot of those guys that, you know, I'm glad that I was able to meet a lot of those guys because I know those relationships will last longer than football will. Um, so, um, you know, I have no bad thing, no bad or ill feelings towards them. So I mentioned the total QBR stat. Uh, total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. How about this? Jacoby Brissett in the 2022 regular season had a total QBR of 58 or better in eight of his 11 starts. Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz in the 2022 regular season combined for 16 starts, but just two games of having a total QBR of 58 or better. Jacoby Brissett on Thursday morning on how he grew over his 11 starts in the 2022 regular season. Uh, I thought I got better each game, uh, you know, and, and uh, thought I, you know, matured uh, not only at a position, but as a man uh, throughout those throughout the game, uh, throughout the throughout those games. Um, and, you know, every week, every week was a challenge, not only on the field, but off the field with with kind of, you know, handling the situation and, and, and being able to, you know, cut through it and be able to go out there and perform um, not only on the field, but also being a good teammate and obviously the supporting cast, the guys around me, uh, you know, they played a tremendous part in that. Uh, I thought our quarterback room was really good to, and everybody was on the same page and, and making sure that we, you know, knew what the task was at hand. And then obviously when Deshaun got back, you know, I think it was a smooth transition. Um, it wasn't like um, some big uh, spectacle or anything like that. Uh, so I thought, I thought it, thought it was, went well. Well, Jacoby Brissett's 2022 season went well. Deshaun Watson's 2022 season did not go well, although I would not be surprised at all if uh, Watson has a big 2023 season. Uh, So for Brissett, he had this nice 2022 season with the Browns, but on a one-year unrestricted free agent contract. And then he went right back into unrestricted free agency, which led him to the commanders. So the 2023 season will be Brissett's age 31 season. He is a journeyman to be sure, although I've wondered if Brissett maybe could be like Ryan Fitzpatrick, a journeyman who played his best in the second half 
of his NFL career. You know, that was a big part of the thinking behind Washington signing Fitzpatrick as an unrestricted free agent in March 2021. As we all know, the signing did not work out due to Fitzmagic suffering a season-ending and ultimately career-ending right hip subluxation in Washington's loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one of the 2021 season. But Fitzpatrick, in each of his three previous seasons, 2018 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and 2019 and 2020 with the Miami Dolphins, had done some really nice work, even though those were his age 36 through age 38 seasons. Jacoby Brissett on Thursday morning on what his goal with his free agency this offseason was. Uh, one, to have a job, uh, two, uh, you know, to just, um, you know, find a good fit, uh, find a good opportunity. Um, and then, um, you know, then everything else, like I said, kind of just take, takes care of itself. And, um, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a new start, uh, new, new, new opportunity to go and and continue to grow as a man, as a player, as a teammate. Uh, and, and this, this felt like the right fit. Yes. The fit. (laughs) Many a veteran quarterback has come to Washington talking about it being the right fit. Only for the fit to not fit. Uh, But of course, if things go with Sam Howell, as I, and I know many of you want them to go, uh, Jacoby Brissett won't be playing much, if at all, in the 2023 season. Uh, Again, though, recent history tells us otherwise. Well, I've been telling you about my Shady Rays sunglasses. I love them. And Shady Rays is offering a great deal to listeners of this podcast. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Rays sunglasses. They look good. They feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Here's a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund Within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. Uh, 
All right, let's get to what some new Commanders players who are not quarterback Jacoby Brissett had to say in their virtual introductory press conferences on Thursday. The Commanders on Thursday afternoon officially announced the signing of an unrestricted free agent linebacker, Cody Barton. Uh, The contract is a reported one-year, $3.5 million fully guaranteed deal. Uh, The 2023 season will be Barton's age 26 season. The Seattle Seahawks took Barton in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Utah. Barton, over his four seasons with the Seahawks, started 16 games, including starting 11 of the Seahawks' 17 games in the 2022 regular season. Barton, of course, is the commander's Cole Holcomb replacement. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday afternoon officially announced the signing of Commander's unrestricted free agent linebacker Cole Holcomb to a three-year contract that reportedly is worth up to $18 million. Uh, Holcomb had been the Commander's Mike linebacker when healthy. Uh, Barton now would seem to be the Commander's Mike linebacker. Here was Barton on Thursday afternoon on signing with the Commanders. Honestly, I wasn't expecting Washington. I mean, Monday... We were just sitting there, just got done working out. And my agent gives me a call and says, you know, we have a legitimate offer from a legitimate team. Um, they're very serious about you. And, um, you know, the role they wanted me in after this last season, you know, I wanted to be somewhere where, um, you know, I could be a starting mic and, and flourish that position. And, you know, they expressed their their interest and their belief in me at that position. And, um, you know, just the way things are ran here with their scheme, you know, their coaching and their, you know, with their history with linebackers and stuff. And I was, you know, I felt really good about it. And um, like I said earlier, you know, just it feels really good to, you know, have people come after you that are, you know, believe in you and, and see the potential in your game and um, want you to be a part of that. And so um, I think it's a great fit. Okay, so Cody Barton wants to be a Mike linebacker, and it sounds like he has been told by the commanders that he will be their Mike linebacker. This was Barton on Thursday afternoon on preferring Mike linebacker over the other two linebacker spots, Will and Sam. Yeah, I've played played all three positions before, and um, I feel I play my best ball at Mike, and I feel most comfortable at Mike, you know. You know, I take pride in, you know, being smart on the field and, you know, taking control of things and communicating. And and I feel just, you know, I just feel really good at Mike. All right. So the commander's top two linebackers now would appear to be Jamin Davis and Cody Barton. Uh, the commanders in Barton have someone who is cheaper, but also a lot less proven than Cole Holcomb is. Uh, but as I talked about on Thursday's show, episode 529, Holcomb has missed a lot of time in recent seasons. Holcomb in the 2020 regular season played in just 11 of Washington's 16 games. He missed four consecutive games due to a knee injury, missed another game due to a concussion. Holcomb in the 2022 regular season played in just seven of the commander's 17 games due to a foot injury that required surgery. Speaking of surgery, uh, Nick Gates, he knows a thing or two about surgery. The commanders on Thursday morning officially announced the signing of unrestricted free agent center slash guard Nick Gates. The New York Giants signed Gates as an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska in May 2018. He spent his 2018 rookie season on the reserve injured list due to a foot injury. He then, over the next four seasons with the Giants, 2019 through 2022, started 29 regular season games, including all 16 of the Giants games in the 2020 regular season, during which he was the Giants starting center and per pro football focus allowed no sacks and just a 16 pressures. But then came his left leg getting mangled 
And at FedEx Field, Gates in Washington's 30-29 walk-off win over the Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football on September 16, 2021, suffered a broken left fibula and tibia, and he ultimately underwent seven surgeries. Nick Gates on Thursday morning on his journey back from his seriously injured left leg, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. Yeah, no, that was a long journey. Um, it was uh, it was like four and ten days from when I got hurt to back on the field. Uh, it's a lot of ups and downs. You know, I try to stay as positive as possible the whole way through. Um, had some tough days. You know, I, there were some points that I was going to retire, but you know, I pushed through those days, and you know, I'm, I'm here now. So it was a it was a journey, though. That's if I had to describe it, it was a journey. Is there a part of you that? What do you think about going to want? You know, you suffered the injury in Washington. Now you're in Washington. What do you kind of make of that element? Yeah, no, that doesn't even bother me. I haven't even thought of it like that. After, there was one guy, I think it was the first game back that I kind of thought of it, and I was like, oh, this is a little weird. But other than that, I kind of that's kind of my mindset the whole way through. Like, it just is what it is. Like, it happened. There's nothing I could do about it. You know, there's no point in being negative. You know, just keep moving forward. So it doesn't bother me. That's I'm not superstitious in many ways or anything. So, like, it was a football field. It was a freak injury. It could have happened anywhere on the, you know, any 32 stadiums in the NFL. I guess 30 stadiums in the NFL. Okay, good attitude right there from Nick Gates. Uh, now, Gates off his badly injured left leg. It did play this past season. Gates in the 2022 regular season started eight games for the Giants. He started at both center and left guard. So which position will be his primary position with the Commanders? Uh, Gates on Thursday morning on what he has been told about his position with the Commanders. And then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. Uh, I think center is where uh, I'm going to be taking most of the reps, I, I assume. But, you know, center guard is, uh, you know, where I play usually. Did that matter to you to get back to center after playing guard most of the last season? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I definitely felt more comfortable at center and feel like it's uh, my natural position. So, why, why do you feel more comfortable there? I don't know. I just like being in control of everything, making calls and kind of telling everybody what to do. Um, it holds me accountable just because you got to know everything and, you know, you got to, you know, make sure all the, everybody's on the same page. So I, I just like being in charge. I don't, I don't know. It's something about that, just, you know, being in charge thing. What is unclear with Nick Gates is whether the commanders have signed him to be a center or the center. The team starting center since the beginning of the 2018 regular season has been Chase Roulier, but he has had a terrible last two seasons in terms of injury. Roulier in the 2021 regular season played and started in just eight of Washington's 17 games. He and the loss at the Denver Broncos on Halloween 2021 suffered a season-ending fractured left fibula and suffered damage to his left ankle. And Roulier in the 2022 regular season played and started in just a two of the commander's 17 games as he suffered a right knee injury in the loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. Well, we may not know whether Nick Gates will be a starter for the commanders, but we do know that Andrew Wiley will be a starter for the commanders, or at least we're pretty sure that Wiley will be a starter for the commanders. The commanders on Thursday morning officially announced the signing of unrestricted free agent guard slash tackle Andrew Wiley. Uh, Wiley entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Eastern Michigan with the Indianapolis Colts in May 2017. He, in 2017, spent time with the Colts, Cleveland Browns, and Los Angeles Chargers before being signed by the Kansas City Chiefs in December 2017. He, over the following five seasons, 2018 through 2022, was with the Chiefs and started 59 of their regular season games, starting at both 
right tackle, and right guard. Wiley in the Chiefs' 2022 Super Bowl championship season started all 17 of the Chiefs' regular season games and started all three of the Chiefs' postseason games. He started all three of those postseason games at right tackle. What seems clear is that the starting right side of the commander's offensive line for the 2023 season is being looked at as Wiley and Sam Cosme. But who is being viewed as the right tackle and who is being viewed as the right guard? Uh, Those things have not been made clear, although ESPN Commander's Insider John Keim on Tuesday morning did tweet that he has been told that Wiley will be the right tackle and Cosme will be the right guard. Here was Andrew Wiley on Thursday morning on what his role with the Commanders will be, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commanders Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Uh, anything it needs to be, man. Uh, any, anywhere on the offensive line. Um, you know, I do know this offense quite well, so, you know, I'm here to answer any questions anybody has and, uh, and just be that, you know, have the supportive veteran role on, in this offensive line. So you don't know right tackle, right guard, tackle guard, anything like that? I'll do anything they want me to do here, man. No. All right. The right attitude right there from Andrew Wiley, but uh, obviously nothing definitive. The commanders reportedly gave Wiley a decent contract, three years, $24 million. The obvious connection with the commanders uh, is the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, right? Who spent the last 10 seasons as an offensive assistant with the Chiefs, including the last five seasons as the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy knows Andrew Wiley quite well. Uh, Wiley on Thursday morning on Bieniemy being a reason for Wiley signing with the Commanders. Yeah, I mean that's great. You know to you know to to have Eb uh, have so much confidence in me and and push for me to get here and for me to have the opportunity to to continue uh, working under his offense is just incredible to me. So that was a, that was for sure uh, the driving factor. Andrew Wiley, big fan of Eric Bieniemy. Wiley on Thursday morning on what Bieniemy is like. Uh, he's intense. So, um, you know, he, he, uh, he's a very intense guy and he needs things his way. So, uh, it's going to be a culture change for sure. Um, and, uh, I'm just looking to carry it on. Yeah. I tell you one thing about Eric Bieniemy that is not in question. Uh, one thing about EB that is not in question is that he is intense. Remember what commander's general manager, Martin Mayhew said on March 1st at his press conference at the NFL scouting combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, said Martin of interviewing Eric Bieniemy, quote, I was just trying not to piss him off, <laughs> end quote. Yeah, the guy is intense. He is demanding. And uh, those things to me can be very good things. Well, a very good thing for your business or practice is advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable, especially in our current economy and podcast advertising works. Email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let us get to college basketball's NCAA tournament. Uh, We on Thursday had the first day of the first round. Uh, The very first game of the first day of the first round was Maryland-West Virginia. Uh, Pretty, this game was not. Close, this game was. Down, the Terrapins were. But they ultimately won. The Turtles prevailed. Eight-seeded Maryland beat nine-seeded West Virginia 67-65 at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama on Thursday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Next up for the Terps, one-seeded Alabama in, yes, (laughs) Birmingham, Alabama, Saturday night at approximately 940. How about this? The Terps now are 15-1 and over their last 16 first round games in NCAA tournaments. And when I say first round, that can be confusing because what used to be the first round and now thankfully is back to being the first round for a while was called the second round. But you get the idea, the round of 64. The Terps, amazingly, are 15-1 and (laughs) over their last 16 first round games in NCAA tournaments. Uh, The Terps on Thursday afternoon overcame a 13-point first half deficit and a nine-point second half deficit. This was a come-from-behind win for the Terps. This was another game this season in which Maryland's, you know, toughness and resilience showed. Uh, The game ended up being what a lot of people did anticipate. Uh, This was a slow, plotting, ugly game. Uh, The game featured 43 personal fouls and a mere 15 total fast break points. Yeah, that was it. Running and a gunning. Uh, these two teams were not. But the Terps defense, a strength for so much of this season, again was good. Uh, the Terps did allow West Virginia to go 8-19 and on threes, but also held the Mountaineers to just 14 of 37 on twos. Uh, the Terps held West Virginia's leading scorer, Eric Stevenson, in 31 minutes as a starter to just one of four on threes and just three of 13 on twos. He scored just nine points. The guy who killed Maryland was Kedrian Johnson, who in 31 minutes as a starter went four of eight on threes, four of five on twos, and seven of seven on free throws. He finished with 27 points. The rest of the Mountaineers scored just 38 points, and Johnson nearly made a miracle game-winning three. He missed a desperation running three from the left wing as time expired in the second half, and the shot was like just off. Uh, It went off the left side of the rim. Uh, When it came to the Terps' offense, uh, well, it was good enough. (laughs) Uh, The Terps were bad on threes. Don Carey, in 28 minutes as a starter, went three of six on threes. The rest of the Terps went just three of 12 on threes. Uh, The Terps went just 15 of 22 on free throws, although that was primarily about one guy. Uh, The Terps committed 
13 turnovers, including six by Jameer Young, who in 31 minutes as a starter went just one of three on threes and 0 of two on twos and committed four fouls. So he did go seven of eight on free throws, but he scored just 10 points to go with three assists and three rebounds. So Jameer Young off a bad Big Ten tournament did not have a particularly good game on Thursday afternoon, but the Terps did go 17 of 27 on twos and outscored West Virginia in the paint 34-24. And a big part of that was the Terps' top big man, Julian Reese. Uh, He, in 37 minutes as a starter, did go just 5 of 10 on free throws and did commit three turnovers, but he also went 6 of 9 from the field, all twos, and he finished with 17 points, nine rebounds, including four offensive boards, three blocks, and three assists, and he committed just three personal fouls. Yeah, the fear that I had, that just about every Maryland fan had, Julian Reese getting into foul trouble, that fear was not realized. Uh, Julian Reese did a terrific job of avoiding foul trouble. Jameer Young was the guy who wound up in foul trouble, not Julian Reese, and Reese down the stretch made a number of big plays. Uh, Dante Scott, the up-and-down Dante Scott, he, on Thursday afternoon, in 31 minutes as a starter, went one of three on threes, three of four on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 11 points, eight rebounds, including two offensive boards and two steals. And Dante Scott made one of the plays of the game, a huge offensive rebound. Uh, Dante Scott, with the Terps nursing a 66-63 lead with less than 45 seconds left in the second half, rebounded his own miss of a driving shot from the right block, getting the offensive rebound between two West Virginia players in Trey Mitchell and Pat Sumnick. You talk about a winning play. This was a winning play, and it was an ironic play because the Terps for the game got doubled up in terms of offensive rebounds. 16-8. Crashing the offensive glass was not a strength for the Terps on Thursday afternoon, and yet in this instance, an oh-so-important instance, the Terps got the offensive rebound. Really good stuff from Dante Scott. Also good stuff from Hakeem Hard. 39 minutes as a starter, one of three on threes, a six of 10 on twos, 0 of one on free throws. He finished with 15 points, four assists versus three turnovers, three rebounds, and two steals. What a job by the Terps to win this game. You know, this in a lot of ways is a house money NCAA tournament appearance for Maryland. I mean, the team long ago exceeded realistic expectations in this its first season with Kevin Willard as head coach. But even with this being a house money NCAA tournament appearance, you still want to win if you're a Maryland fan like me. And when the Turtles did, uh, here was Willard during his postgame press conference on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I'm more excited for the kids than I am for me. Uh, this group, I've talked about a lot. This group is, they've come together. They've asked to do everything that I've asked them to do. They've had a great attitude. They've had an unbelievable work ethic. Um, you know, we've been down all year at certain points in the game. They've never turned on each other. They never, they just, they, they just have a great attitude. You know, we practiced yesterday morning at 9 a.m. for man, close to two hours, you know, and they were upbeat, they were positive. So I'm more excited about this group. You know, Jameer comes as a transfer in, Don comes in, transfers in. Uh, Juju, Hawk, and Dante stay. Um, it's not easy putting together a group that's going to be so together. But, you know, you have to give credit to these young men. 
Um, they've worked hard. They've had a great attitude. I'm, I'm just excited for them. Yeah, bravo, Kevin Willard and Maryland. Uh, now, Saturday night against Bama, not easy, not easy at all. It was Bama that uh, handed Maryland its last NCAA tournament loss on uh, March 22nd, 2021. The then 10 seeded Terps lost to then two seeded Alabama 96 77 at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, home of the Indiana Pacers in uh, Indianapolis in the second round of the 2021 NCAA tournament. All right, Virginia. Wahoo! Wahoo! What? <laughs> Four seeded Virginia lost to 13 seeded Furman, 68 67 at Amway Center in Orlando, Florida on Thursday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, first of all, there is the brutal nature of this loss for the Cavaliers. The Cavs blew a 12 point second half lead, and the Cavs gave away the game. With UVA nursing a 67-65 lead with less than 10 seconds left in the second half. Kihei Clark, while being trapped near the baseline of uh, UVA's basket, threw a desperation deep pass that got intercepted by a Furman player, Garrett Heen, beyond half court. And then J.P. Pagese connected on a right wing three for a 68-67 Furman lead with 2.4 seconds left in the second half. The thing that absolutely could not happen with Kihei having the ball did happen. A turnover and a quick three by Furman. The three connected and Furman won the game. I cannot stand that this is how Kihei Clark's college basketball career ends. I mean, this season was Kihei's fifth collegiate season. He was a graduate student point guard. He is one of the most accomplished players in Virginia basketball history. What happened on Thursday afternoon doesn't like erase all of the good that he did in his Virginia career, but that turnover on Thursday afternoon was painful. But Virginia's loss to Furman wasn't just about the ending of the game. This was yet another early round exit for UVA with Tony Bennett as head coach. This is such a strange deal. UVA's last four NCAA tournament appearances have happened in the 2018, 2019, 2021, and 2023 seasons. Three of those four appearances resulted in UVA losing in a first round to a double-digit seed. But the other appearance, of course, resulted in UVA winning the national title 2019. It, of course, is wrong to say that Virginia can't win in the NCAA tournament with Tony Bennett or that Bennett style can't win in the NCAA tournament because, again, Virginia won the national title, won the natty in 2019. But it's hard to ignore what the NCAA tournament results for Virginia with Bennett as head coach have been beyond that 2019 run to the national title. You know, Tony Bennett demands high-level defense from his players. That's great. High-level defense will win you a lot of games, and Virginia under Bennett has won a lot of games. But the effort expended on defense does take away from a team's offense, and the high-level defensive style does turn off some high-level offensive players from wanting to play for Virginia. And so while some of Bennett's Virginia teams are, like, efficient offensively, They never really are dynamic offensively. 
So Virginia doesn't blow people out. And if the defense is like a tick off, then there's a good chance that the game can be close. And if the game is close, then who knows what happens? You know, Virginia's style is not unlike what we have referred to as the formula for the commanders, right? Trying to win 17-15 sounds great in theory, but it's hard to do. It's hard to have sustained success that way. And in a lot of ways, what Virginia has done under Tony Bennett is employ the college basketball version of the formula. You know, win with defense, win with efficient, but not necessarily high-scoring offense. You can do that, but it's not easy to do that. And uh, playing that style will make you prone to the upset. And sure enough, Virginia has been upset in more than a few recent NCAA tournaments. Uh, The Wahoos' defense on Thursday afternoon was a bit off, and their offense, again, was not good. Uh, The Hoos' defense was really good in the first half, but not good enough in the second half. The Hoos, in the first half, held Berman to just 27 points, just 4 of 14 on threes, and just 5 of 12 on twos. Also, Berman, in the first half, went just 5 of 10 on free throws. But the Hoos, in the second half, allowed Berman to score 41 points and go 6 of 14 on threes. And Berman, in the second half, went 9 of 9 on free throws. Also, the Hoos, again, were bad on threes and bad on free throws. Those two things were real problems for UVA this season. The Hoos on Thursday afternoon went just to 2 of 12 on threes and just 17 to 22 on free throws. The Hoos' only two made threes were by freshman Isaac McNeely, who in 27 minutes, 14 seconds off the bench, went 2 of 7 on threes. He did go 3 of 3 on twos, did score 12 points. But Virginia as a whole, offensively, not good, uh, as was the case way too often down the stretch of the season. Uh, here was Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Thursday afternoon. You know, this game is <laughs> interesting, might be the word I'd use. You feel like we got it. We got it. And then all of a sudden, in a moment's notice, it changes at the end. And that's that's tough. It is because I was proud of our guys, you know, to play well. And then all of a sudden, Furman, who congratulations to them. They're a terrific team. And um, they played well. And they threw that zone on us. And we struggled a little bit. And then the guys... We got ourselves situated. The guys did a great job of retaking the lead, which is very difficult to do. Um, so I was proud of how they played. Um, you know, and then the pass at the end, you know, we missed a, a front end of a bonus. We missed, a, um, you know, made one out of two. So there were some free throws that could assault it that away. And, um, you know, I'll have to see on tape how it all played out. But, um, again, it just it's that feeling of it's there. I think we're going on to the second round or the whatever round we call it now, and then it's gone. And that's, that's, a, that's a gut punch. But, um, but you get to choose how you respond, and over time, um, it'll all be okay. I know that. But I feel for, for the guys and the staff, um, but certainly respect the job that Furman did. Very good team and uh, classy program, classy coach. Yeah, and Tony Bennett is a classy guy, but these first-round NCAA tournament losses to double-digit seeds are tough, man. 2018, in fact, five years to the day on Thursday, March 16th, 2018, Virginia became the first one seed in NCAA tournament history to lose to a 16 seed. And the Cavaliers, remember, weren't just any one seed. They were the number one overall seed. And the loss wasn't some nail-biter. It was a blowout loss, a 74-54 loss, a humiliation 
to 16-seeded UMBC in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, 2021, Virginia as a four-seed lost to then 13-seeded Ohio, 62-58 at Indiana University's Assembly Hall in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And now we have this loss to 13-seeded Furman. Uh, Q&A with Tony Bennett during his post-game press conference on Thursday afternoon. It's it's now been, you know, four years since since that national championship. How, how do you kind of convey, all right, you know, you guys have had this heartbreak in the first round. How, how do you kind of convey that, that that's not necessarily a byproduct of, of the system and, and that this isn't necessarily something that's going to continue? Yeah, I mean, you just keep working. Um, I think the guys had a terrific year this year being co-champs in the ACC, got to the championship game of the conference tournament and felt like we had this and certainly lost. You know, the last time we were in the tournament, we were had the COVID deal and we got one practice. You know, we had a key injury, so I can make situations why it's been tough, but we've lost in the first round and um, that, is, as he said, it is what it is, but it doesn't take away um, from what these guys have done and what we've experienced over the years. But, you know, you wanted it when you felt like you had it, and that was a tough one. And um, uh, But grateful to coach them and um, keep building, keep trusting, and you got a choice how you respond, and I will choose to respond the right way. Well, you can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jim D., who's a big Virginia fan. And Jim wrote me in the early morning hours on Friday, writes, Jim, I am still sick to my stomach hours later. I now have to grapple with the fact that we have not won an NCAA tournament game in four years. Inconsistent offense finally caught up to us as I am sure we all expect it to happen sooner rather than later. I do not know what possessed Kihei Clark into thinking that what he did was a good decision. A lights-out performance by Shedrick, the best of his season, utterly wasted in the blink of an eye. But at least we ended up not being the worst loss of the day. (laughs) Thank you for the email, Jim. Yes, two-seeded Arizona did lose to 15-seeded Princeton. And yeah, with the Who's without Ben Vanderplas, the 6'8 graduate student transfer from Ohio who suffered a season-ending fractured right hand during practice on March 8th, uh, 6'11 Caden Shedrick was a beast on Thursday afternoon. He did not have a good season, but he on Thursday afternoon was back to starting, and he in 28 minutes, 34 seconds as a starter had 15 points, 13 rebounds, including five offensive boards and four blocks. He went five and nine from the field, all twos and five of six on free throws. Email from Wendell Hicks writes, Wendell, how about Virginia? I know that Virginia won a national championship and it was a great run, but that now has been surrounded by some horrendous losses, including the worst loss in NCAA tournament history. I think that Tony Bennett is a great regular season coach and by all accounts, an even better man. That said, there is a serious flaw to his defensive base system. I have heard Gary Williams say several times, including on your show, that you have to be able to score points in March and April. UVA just struggles too much. The national title should buy Bennett some time to figure it out, but I can't imagine that patience will last long in Charlottesville if he can't get out of first rounds. Uh, Thank you for the email, Wendell. Yeah, I would think that Tony Bennett has a good bit of leeway, has a significant leash, uh, but who knows? Uh, And then also on Thursday afternoon, Howard, in its first NCAA tournament appearance since 
1992. Uh, did get routed by Kansas. Uh, 16 seeded Howard lost to one seeded Kansas 96 68 at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, the game was close for a bit, but uh, then became a blowout. Uh, no shame for the Bison. Howard had a terrific season in which the team won the MIAC regular season title and the MIAC tournament title. Uh, Howard head coach Kenneth Blake, and he deserves a lot of credit. He has been Howard's head coach since May 2019. He's from the Washington, D.C. area, was a star basketball player at DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, then played at Duke. He took over a Howard program that was not in a good way, and Blakeney, in his first season as Howard head coach, the 2019-2020 season, went 4-29 and overall and just 1-15 in the MEAC. But uh, this season, Howard's best season in more than three decades. All right, before we call it a show, the expected, unfortunately, now is official for the Nationals. Uh, their top pitching prospect, Cade Cavalli, needs Tommy John surgery and is done for the season. Uh, the Nats on Thursday morning put out a statement from President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo saying that Cade Cavalli, in the third inning of an exhibition game against the New York Mets on Tuesday, suffered a grade three sprain of the ulnar collateral ligament, the UCL in his right elbow, needs Tommy John surgery and will be out for the 2023 season. Uh, just a terrible, awful development for Cavalli and the Nats. Uh, Mike Rizzo on Thursday afternoon said that the uh, Tommy John surgery for Cade Cavalli will happen this coming Wednesday, March 22nd. Uh, oh, by the way, Cavalli is on the Nats 40-man roster, so this season in which he will not be pitching uh, at all does count against his service time. So <laughs> there's that too. Uh, the 2023 season was to have been Kate Cavalli's age 24 season. He is the number 58 prospect in baseball for MLB Pipeline. Uh, the Nats, of course, are a rebuilding team, but one of the things that I was looking forward to with them this coming MLB regular season, and one of the things that a lot of Nats fans were looking forward to was seeing three young and promising starting pitchers to varying degrees, Cade Cavalli, Mackenzie Gore, and Josiah Gray, making up three-fifths of the Nats starting rotation. Uh, well, Cavalli now is done for the season. Uh, the Nats took Cade Cavalli with the number 22 pick in the 2020 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma. He had a very impressive 2021 season in which he pitched at three levels of the minor leagues. Cade Cavalli in the 2021 season, what was his age 22 season, pitched for the High A Wilmington Blue Rocks, the Double A Harrisburg Senators, and the Triple A Rochester Red Wings. He was outstanding for Wilmington and Harrisburg, although he did struggle for Rochester. Uh, Cavalli then had an odd 2022 season. He, over his first seven starts for Triple A Rochester in the 2022 season, struggled, had an ERA of 762. But Cavalli, over his final seven starts for Rochester in the 2022 season, was great. 36 and two thirds innings, ERA of 147, 43 strikeouts versus 12 walks. The Nats last August 25th selected the contract of Cade Cavalli from Rochester. He made his major league regular season debut in a 7-3 Nats loss 
to the Cincinnati Reds at Nationals Park last August 26. Uh, he allowed seven runs in four and a third innings. Then the Nats on August 31st, retroactive to August 28th, put Cavalli on the 15-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, then we on September 16th learned that Cavalli had been shut down again and had received a cortisone shot due to having experienced right shoulder discomfort during his first throwing session since being placed on the 15-day IL. And now we have Cavalli needing Tommy John surgery. Him staying healthy has become a concern. Now, the good news is that Tommy John surgery has become almost routine for pitchers. I mean, Tommy John surgery has become like a dental cleaning for pitchers, okay? And thankfully, Cavalli isn't dealing with, say, thoracic outlet syndrome, which has ravaged the career of that starting pitcher, Steven Strasburg. But whatever, man. I mean, so many things have gone wrong for the Nats since they won the 2019 World Series. It really has felt like there is a dark cloud hovering over the Nats. And now here's something else bad. Cade Cavalli's 2023 season is over before it ever started. And that will do it for you and me for now. Get the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 531. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders. You know, we had a pretty quiet week regarding the sale of the commanders. I feel like some news may be coming. We shall see. Also on Monday show, we'll discuss the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, the NCAA tournament, 12-seeded VCU versus 5-seeded St. Mary's at MVP Arena in Albany, New York, Friday afternoon at 2 in the first round, 8-seeded Maryland versus 1-seeded Alabama at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama, Saturday night at about 9.40 in the second round. The Capitals have two games this weekend, home of the St. Louis Blues, Friday night at 7, and then at the Minnesota Wilds, Sunday afternoon at 2. And the Wizards have two games this weekend at the Cleveland Cavaliers, Friday night at 7.30, and home to the Sacramento Kings, Saturday night at 8. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Yeah, I mean, you just keep working. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.